you start to see rates come down too fast, you're going to see house prices skyrocket mm -hmm. again. It's not necessarily right. what anybody wants, right. I don't think, in the, in the game. Yeah. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Revolution Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Moore, and I'm here with my main man, Dave Savolich, for Whiskey Wednesday, where we're going to talk about some things going on in our lives on the personal side, some fun things happening, and then also some trending topics inside of the short-term rental world, as well as some questions that you guys have sent in and submitted. If you're new to Whiskey Wednesdays or new to the Vacation Rental Revolution Podcast, you guys have the ability to send us in your questions about short-term rentals, some of the challenges, some of the sticking points, even comments that you have, success stories to share, send them in to us. We want to talk about them on these episodes. And so Dave, we were talking about before camera, I said, hey, this better not be a flat episode. And <laughs> if it's bad, it's Dave's fault because he doesn't ask good questions. If it's really good, I'll take the credit for it. So I we'll, was we'll, thinking that this is going to be one of our best episodes. <laughs> I just have hey. Just so you know, I, I like that shirt. Dave was Dave was saying, hey, if we gain a whole bunch of followers from our female listeners, it's because of the shirt he put up today. So we'll, <laughs> that's what uh, I'm talking about. We, we, uh, <laughs> uh, hey, I'm, I'm hoping that's the case. So let's talk. Right, let's talk. Let's talk. So we're coming up on fall. It's getting a little chilly yeah, around here yeah, in Utah. I got the, the sweater yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I got the felt hat and yeah. my straw yeah, hat. Yeah, yeah. You, you got to keep your head warm. Seasons are changing. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we we start to feel the cool air. We The leaves starting to fall. We got Halloween coming in, coming in a couple of weeks. So let's, let's just talk like what are you a fan of halloween do you like halloween do you like the do you like yeah. costumes do you like all that i like costumes. any traditions i mean we always Teresa and the kids that is their favorite holiday and that's so awesome october is a uh, is a pretty fun yeah. month around yeah. our house they love dressing up they love going all out on a theme we always do like a family themed mm -hmm. costume and so yeah. i'm actually not sure what it is every single year you, you know, just come home and say yeah. dad this is what you're wearing this year this is how serious yeah. they are are about it they're already talking about next year halloween because they already got this be. year dialed yeah, in and, and they dial it in a year in advance okay. i mean it's like so we'll see what <laughs> Well, and as kids and with. your kids and family get older, you used to have, you know, big parties and costume parties and all that kind yeah. of stuff. But that's, you know, that's... Well, Halloween's you still kind of fun. You get to, yeah. like, vicariously yeah. have another, you know, know. personality, yeah. outfit, everything yeah. for a day. And, you know, sometimes they're a little wild and crazy <laughs> and, you know, kind of fun. Heck you know? yeah. So, we'll, I love uh, it. I don't know. There's something about the feel of Halloween. It's kind of fun. It's cozy. You have the hot apple cider. My wife makes uh, homemade chili. We... We is roast it the, is it it's not apple really spicy. No. Uh, yeah, oh. well, uh, uh, no, see, just that so it's not as fun as my. It's not as fun. Okay. No, no, all right, all right. But we do we do more traditional stuff. You know, like we do the pumpkin seeds and we roast those and we do some of that stuff. And yeah. we don't do a whole lot of costumes, but we do in the neighborhood get together for a big kind of get together and, and roast hot dogs. You and guys have don't a dress fire up and stuff. Uh, you know, no, I, we did for a long time there when our kids oh, were you little. Guys need to dress up, but. I'm not, I, 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 get I, don't a look I put a mask on. I get stressed about, about it, to be honest, but yeah. it is kind of fun. Yeah. It is, it is yeah. fun. Our whole, like our neighborhood goes all out. Like yeah. you got the headless horseman driving around. They shut down the streets. Oh, they, that's awesome. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a big yeah. event. So if you don't dress up in my neighborhood, you're, you're, you're looking out of it. You're, yeah. you're kind of yeah. that guy. Yeah. And so just, just yeah. so you know, I mean. <laughs> hey, well, okay. Let's, let's ask this little question of the, of the day on Halloween. What do you give out? What kind of candy do you give out? You know, we don't, I, I wouldn't say anything super exciting. We always, I mean, we always do the candy bars, right? But it's like, like full fairly, candy bars or just little guys or what? I mean, you it, know, it depends on the year. You know, if I'm yeah. having a good year, maybe I can do full. If I'm I struggling a little bit, then yeah. hey, if I'm, yeah. you know, I might do the small ones. I mean, as a kid, every year we do a little different, but mostly it's just the candy bar, like the, the mixed candy bar yeah. stuff, the kind of that everybody does. Yeah. We have some of those neighbors that have the reputation of like one like, of them does the candy apples and some okay. of them do like yeah. they have this like big toy 
band that kids go get toys. Yeah. Some of them do the full candy bars. I mean, yeah. And so everybody has kind of their thing. We don't really have our thing as far as that. I guess I guess I got to step that up. Well, I, mean, I think we don't it's, really. You kind of notice like you. If you're know, not keeping up with sure. the kids, yeah. they're like, oh, sweet. Yeah. Thanks for the Jolly Rancher. <laughs> or, or you're giving them something. Uh, hey, I, I will say, like, I was, I, I love Smarties. Like, yeah. Smarties are one of my favorite candies. I yeah. always have been. I don't know when the last time I had a Smartie <laughs> one was. One full Smartie. A Smartie. <laughs> and I still told Teresa, let's get it back, Smarties. <laughs> and she about smacked me right in the middle of the aisle at the store. And she said, you, you, uh, no, we are not giving away no, one thing at Smarties. No, so we do no. go a little bit more than that. Yeah. But hey, listen. I know. I like it's expensive, Smarties. though. When I was a kid, they weren't coming into the full candy bars back then. You know, it, yeah. was, it was the traditional stuff. The yeah. Bags of popcorn and, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Well, there was a house that was pretty good hike away from ours. And it was Browning Arms, you know, Browning, you know, the guns and, yeah. you know, yeah. hunting outdoors uh, type. It's they, in my backyard. Yeah. The, yeah. Right there. Well, the owner or the founder lived up by us and we hiked up there, but literally he gave king size, king size candy bars. Oh, so if we, could get, if we could get to that house, yeah. we knew that it was, was going to be successful. When we were eight, we weren't smart enough to realize that if we just went to three houses that were giving away the regular Kit Kats, it was the same as <laughs> it the King's size. Same so it was size. fine, right? So we walked it a right. mile to yeah, get to the King's Yeah, and waited size. for an hour in yeah. line. Because yeah. those houses always have a line, right? Yeah. You know. But anyways, yeah. so that's like awesome. Halloween. We also, uh, you know, fall is, is, you know, the time to get out and do some hunting, get out and yeah. see the fall colors. Beautiful here in Utah. Yeah, so we always start that's our, also our fall fun. season with our Alaska trip, which yep. we talked about in a previous episode. And then yeah, we've got hunting season and we've got Halloween. Yep. Fall's a fun time here. I love the, the change of the weather and the seasons here in Utah. You know, we, yeah. you know it's so hot and, and, and we're ready for a change and it's it's kind of nice. You can feel that, that change in the air. So yeah. it's good. Maybe we uh, can post a few photos on Instagram of the yeah, family hey, we'll outfits. See, hey, Sometimes, Depending sometimes, on what they get. sometimes, hey, sometimes they're not appropriate. For, I could see you in uh, what's going on like on Instagram. Zeus or Hercules or <laughs> I appreciate you saying like that's that. why, hey, that's why you're my right hand. I know. Guy, because I that's know. how you the, you can see me as that, you know? Yeah, I appreciate maybe that. Maybe the rock. I don't know. I'm just thinking of all the people that I can <laughs> yeah. see you being. All right, the rock. There we go. I'll... All right. Well, let's move on to a uh, trending topic. So All right. yesterday, um, as, as some of our followers know, maybe they don't know, but as, as a part of Odyssey, we have a, an amazing coaching program and we have weekly calls. And one of our weekly calls is Sean's AMA call, Ask Me Anything call on Tuesdays. So every Tuesday you get on, on the call with, with our members and uh, stay on for two or three hours, as long as it takes, and you'll answer any question about the market, about their listing, you'll pull up photos, you'll you'll talk about whatever they want. I, I think it's an amazing resource. Yesterday's call was really focused on most every question, you know, typically on the on the QA call, they ask a, a, an array of questions, but it was kind of focused yesterday on the market, on hey, what do you think about interest rates and what do you think about market and inflation? And everything was kind of dialed in on like, what do you think and where it's going? I mean, I think people are a little bit concerned or maybe that's just forefront in their mind about, oh boy, should I get into this industry? Should I get into this market? And what's it look like? Yeah, that, that seemed to be kind of the trending topic yesterday within our investment group within mm -hmm. the Modesty family and our Empire Club. And, and it was really a couple different questions around that. And, and if we're going to dissect the market, it's important to really dissect a few different major right. parts of it right one was how are we still bullish on the the real estate values mm -hmm. like do we still mm -hmm. think real estate values because inside of our group are my members know that i'm buying properties right now that we're right. making offers that we're right. aggressively looking in acquisition phase and they're saying well 
you know, can you talk about that? Can you say, why are you so bullish on it? And I'm, I'm talking about single family homes, particularly, you know, we talked about this on another episode that I was saying, you know, why I love single family homes, particularly within real estate. I love real estate in general. Right. I think all lanes of real estate have pros and cons. I like single family homes and short term rentals allow us to buy some of the nicest single family homes in the nicest areas and still make money with right. it. And so I love that. In general, the market, as far as the real estate market in the US, there's still a huge supply and demand gap. Supply is still super, super mm -hmm. low. Interest rates have put some downward pressure on demand, but not enough downward pressure on and when that the, the equal amount of downward pressure they put on demand, they've also put equal pressure on inventory levels. Right. The when, supply. Yeah, yeah supply. It, it, it's had this effect on supply that nobody's trading up. Nobody's putting their homes on the market because they don't want to sell their home that has a three percent or four percent interest rate. Right and go trade up and buy something at seven and a half or 8%. You've got this supply that continues to go down. Inventory levels are at all time lows. In real estate, especially single family homes, that's a fairly simple simple economics when it, as far as prices are concerned, going up and going down. When supply is so low and demand is still, it, it's gone down, but it's still that gap between supply and demand is so wide. I just don't see yeah. house prices on single family going down. And yeah, we're in yeah. a weird time in the economy. You know, I've heard you had the Great Depression, you had the dot-com burst, you had the, the Great Recession in 2008. And they're kind of calling this kind of the silent depression a little right, bit. I've heard right. that term um, coined by somebody, I don't know who yeah. called it, but it, it makes sense to me of what's going on. It's really a weird kind of economy where the economy is still showing really, really strong. You right. know, the, the American consumer is being very, very res resilient, spending a lot of yeah. money still. People are still buying homes, um, even though that they're not buying as many as they were. But a lot of the, the stats you hear about single family home sales being down is a reflection of there's nothing available. Nobody's but, selling their home right now. Yeah. Prices are not dropping across right. the board, right? Mm -hmm. We're seeing across the board on average, we're still seeing uh, average appreciation in that 5% range yeah. Yeah. across the board in the US. And, and real estate's very localized and regionalized where you've got some areas and we, we invest in some of the nicer areas and nicer properties. I always believe in buying quality assets, which is why I love short-term rentals. It allows me to go buy quality assets. Mm -hmm. And in those quality asset type of areas, we're even seeing still double digit appreciation, you know, and which is crazy to, to when you hear all the, the chatter that you hear across the board about the economy. So when it comes to home prices dropping, I just don't believe that's gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think interest rates are gonna drop significantly anytime soon either. We talked about that, like, hey, just buy something to refinance. I think you need to underwrite and plan on these higher rates, whatever you lock in at, for the next probably two to three years. Yeah. Because where inventory levels are at, there's this huge amount of shadow demand, right? There's a lot of buyers, a lot of sellers sitting on the sideline waiting for something to happen right. interest rate wise. If rates come down, prices are going to skyrocket because right. demand is going to go up and yeah. we're going to start to see people start to trade up again. I don't think that that's necessarily the most responsible thing for the economy either. Housing affordability is getting tough, right? Houses have gotten oh. really, really expensive. Affordability yeah. is tough. Think of that. If my kids age, they're thinking about buying a home in the near future. You think, man, how are they going to do that? Right. How are they right. going to make that happen? And it is a concern. And so I don't think that the, the the Fed or whoever's making all these decisions on raising the interest rates or lowering the interest rates, if you start to see rates come down too fast, you're going to see house prices skyrocket mm -hmm. again. It's not necessarily right. what anybody wants, right. I don't think, in the, in the game. Yeah. I like having a portfolio that goes up in value. There's no question about that, which is why I'm trying to buy right now because I'm not competing with a lot of yeah. people. It's a very interesting time. Statistically, on paper, a seller's market, right? There's not enough inventory. 
There's there's less than six months of inventory on most in most you know markets across mm-hmm. the U.S. Houses are still selling in a pretty reasonable amount of time. They're not selling in days. They're selling in you know a month or less than two months on average time on the market. I think it's just creeped over a month now. That's still a seller's market. However, yeah. we got so used to the opposite market that we feel like sellers feel like yeah. it's a buyer's market. So take advantage of that as a buyer, mm-hmm. be able to negotiate, be able to look at for better terms, be able to get some buy downs on your rates. Yeah. All those things are available to you, which is kind of crazy when it is still statistically looking, speaking a, sell, a seller's market, but nobody feels like that emotionally. Yeah. And so as a buyer, I want to, I want to take advantage of that, but also be able to underwrite the deal and make sure that I can cover those higher payments right. because I can't plan on, and you shouldn't plan on, underwriting a deal and saying, well, I'm going to just refinance in six months and I'm going to stomach yes, it for six months you because don't know. Yeah. you might be yeah. stomaching it for two or three right. years because right. I don't think that they want to just drop rates really significantly because you're going to see prices shoot through the roof and yeah. it's going to be a frenzy again, like right. we saw. And I don't think anybody really wants that. I, I, my, my yeah, no, I think it. that's like good. It. Yeah. I, and it all comes back to, and I appreciate, and I think it's the right thing to do as a investor and as a consumer to have those things in mind and to really dive in to make sure it's the right thing in the right time. But it all comes back to there's always great properties as long as you do the data and understand the data and do the worksheets and the analysis. So if it works and the numbers look great, wow, that's a great opportunity. There's a bunch that aren't going to work as well. Be patient, pass on those and continue to keep looking to make sure it accomplishes the goals of what you want to do. And I think it's interesting. Another question. So we talked that that was kind of talking about the general single family home market in the U.S. of kind of why why I'm still bullish. And I don't think that we're going to see a big, uh, big price drop across the board. But also on the short-term rental side, somebody was saying, hey, what are we doing different on our underwriting? How are we underwriting these properties differently to be more conservative with what's going on? And my answer to that is we don't do one thing different. Our underwriting is underwriting. Underwriting is exactly the same. You're going to run the numbers. Now, does higher rates, higher prices, does that affect the ROI and the the way that the property is going to Mm -hmm. underwrite, whether you may or may may not buy it? Yes, absolutely. But the underwriting stays the same. You yeah. should be always conservatively underwriting properties. You mm-hmm. should be underwriting them, understanding all of the numbers and higher rates and higher holding costs and, and ownership costs on a property. That's part of the underwriting. That's part of understanding that. The other part of understanding underwriting is what's going on in the short term rental market. How much money is being spent in the market? One of our members actually said, hey, Sean, what do you think about this market? It's down 7% across the board. You know, rates are down 6%. And I said, I, I'd like to see your numbers because I have, I've yet to find a market that is down that much. Mm-hmm. Like it, we're, it's really, really hard to find. Right. And, and when I say a market is down, I look at the overall money being spent in that market. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's my judgment on is there demand in the market? How much money is being spent? And is it going up or going down year over year? A lot of people report on rev par and we always hear that or the average the median income that a property makes in that prop in in the market well that's taken the total money being spent divided by the total number of homes there's no market in the world that everybody gets their equal share of business right. including short-term rentals mm-hmm. so why would you underwrite it that way according to that right number. Yeah. you want to underwrite it by saying okay how much money is being spent what is the range of revenue like on from high to low what are people spending on a three bedroom property in a certain market you know x per night what is the occupancy in that market and then calculate out what your revenue potential is and you have to decide am i going to be on the high end of that on the low end of that somewhere in the middle because everybody doesn't make the same amount of business and it's our job to get our unfair share of that business i care if money's being spent well what happened in this market 
that market was actually up 17% from last year. The total money being spent was up 17% in that market. So consumers are buying, yeah. but yet she was under the impression because she saw that number of rev par right. being down that it was, 7%, that, it wasn't a good that, it's, that it's going down. Yeah. I'm like, that's not what, yeah. and, and, and now that's the way I underwrite deals. Yeah. That yeah. doesn't mean that everybody has to underwrite deals that way. But what we're seeing is all indicators are there's still really, really good opportunities. And what I think people forget about is when everything was on fire right after, like, let's just go back to before COVID, or right after COVID, when everything was just properties yeah. were selling in minutes, literally, you were competing with people. They were selling for over ask prices price. were way high. Yeah. Guess what? There was a lot of properties that didn't underwrite then as well. Mm -hmm. You know, when you did your underwriting, yeah. you still had to underwrite the, the deal, look at the numbers. And there were a lot of properties that didn't cash flow. There yeah. were a lot of properties that you would have said no to, just like there are going to be a lot of properties that don't work right now, but there are properties that do work. And so you have to make sure that you really understand the numbers. It's really dialing back and understanding the yeah, numbers. Good. That's what people want to hear. They yeah. want to know. They want to hear your the way you do it, your strategy, and 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 really dive in. So yeah. good. Well let's get a couple questions. So this right. is uh Anne. Anne said as we start this journey, should we buy a large or short term rental? for our first property. So a large I, yeah. or, or small. Yeah, I'm sorry. Larger small. Short, yeah. Larger small. Okay. So and, and I've they've been, they've asked Large I've heard this a few okay. times. So they always say, do we buy a big one, a four or five bedroom one, or do we yeah. start with like a one or two bedroom? The true answer is it does depend. Yeah. There's a lot of factors that go into what you should and shouldn't buy. One, there's pros and cons of both of them. Sh smaller properties your gross income from them is going to be not right. quite as much as right. some of the larger properties. Some of your highest grossing properties are going to be the bigger properties right. because people are spending more for them, yeah, right? You can charge more. Yep. You're also paying more for them. Mm -hmm. So you have to look and say, in my market, what is the better return on investment, a large or small? You know, if your capacity to own each of them is the same, you might not have the buying power to go buy the big yeah. mansion in an You area. may be forced to buy a smaller yeah. one because you don't have, you know, the right. savings or the amount of money cash down, down, all that stuff. Yeah. They're going to cost a lot more to yeah. furnish. They're going to cost a lot more to set up and yeah. get, create this great experience. Yeah. You a lot can, more to clean and things yeah. like that that people don't think about. Yeah, right. it, it, there's a lot. There's a lot higher cost on a large property. You also make more money, mm -hmm. but that doesn't always mean that your return on investments higher. Is higher. And yeah. so I always look at that. There are some markets that your return on investment is going to be a much higher on a small property than it is going to be on a larger property. I personally like the three bedrooms and less properties because I don't travel with big groups. And mm -hmm. so when I build my portfolio, you I like, like to use, use the properties. Yep. I like to buy properties that are that I like. The mm -hmm. other the, the other benefit of a small property, three bedrooms and under, is you're going to fill in the shoulder seasons. You're going to fill in those last minute bookings a lot easier, easier. than you will on a, a seven or eight bedroom property. Because yep. people aren't booking nine bedrooms right. last minute. But a couple right? or a small family or somebody may say, hey, let's go away for the weekend and, or right. for a couple of days. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, and we always say though, you should underwrite because what you will find in a lot of markets, you should underwrite multiple bedroom counts in your market because you might not pay a lot extra for a four bedroom than a three bedroom in your market, but you might get a lot more income mm -hmm. on a four bedroom yeah. than a three bedroom. Your return on investment is better. Likewise, you might be in a market that is geared more toward couples or right. you know smaller, smaller places, groups. Yeah. Like Napa Valley is a good example yeah. that you know of one of those markets that the big family reunion type properties don't do as well as the two and three bedrooms yeah. or less because. That's the people who go and visit the, the demographic of the people who visit that area are not the big family yeah. reunions because right. it's wine country. Right? Yeah. Most markets have a lot of crossover. And so that's why it's hard to say one is better than the other. Yeah. Sometimes when you're doing your running the numbers, doing your underwriting, you will find that one has a better return than the other. 
lots of times there's a lot of crossover. So it comes down to what are your property goals? What is your buying capacity? Yeah. What is your furnishing capacity holding, you know, that property and those higher expenses versus the lower expenses? I mean, you can deck out a, a thousand square foot property that's a two bed, two bath and just deck it out, you know, completely to the, to you know, just an amazing experience for a lot less than you're going to deck out a nine right. bedroom property exactly. that's 6,000 square feet. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah. so those are all things to consider when you're considering Good. small or large. All right. Last question. And this is from Nick. Okay. What phase in the short-term journey is the most difficult? Oof. So, you know, there's a lot of phases. There's the acquisition, there's the setup and management, there's the marketing, there's a lot of things. Where do you find most people get frustrated? Yeah, it's a great question, Nick. And I'm going to break it down to the three major phases and the outcomes of each of those phases for those of you listening. We really focus on the acquisition phase, the setup and management phase, and the marketing phase. The outcome of the acquisition phase is finding and identifying the right market and being able to purchase a property that has the potential to get you the return on investment that you're looking for. Okay. okay. Outcome in acquisition phase yep. is, is basically buying the property. Setup and management phase, the outcome is being able to take that great property in that great market and select a target audience, curate this amazing experience for them, furnish that property to help deliver that experience, and then put management in place, whether it's yourself or somebody else, to deliver that experience to your guests. Yep. That's that middle phase. And then the final phase is marketing. And marketing is the phase where you're saying, okay, I've got this great property. I've got this awesome experience for a target audience. Now what am I gonna do to articulate what I have to offer so that somebody raises their hand and says, I want that property over everything else available to me. Okay. And that's speaking to that that guest. So that's the outcome in those major, those those phases. They're all hard, yeah. right? They're, yeah. they're all gonna be tough. You have to spend the time in all of them. Most people, will battle through the acquisition phase. And they'll say, okay, I'm gonna, I, I know I've gotta buy a property. I can't play the game unless I own a property. So they battle through that. They deal with all the, what it takes to acquire that property. Right. That's a difficult phase. Where I think the next two phases become more difficult. And I think the most grueling phase is the setup phase. But I think why the last two phases are more difficult is because a lot of people, after they buy the property, they want to rush to throw it on the market yeah. and see what they can get, start generating business. And so it's difficult, one, mindset-wise and discipline-wise to say, I have to finish those last two phases. Because you don't want them to be disappointed when they don't get the book they're launch, they want. It's right. gonna fall flat and yep. then you've got to rewind, yep. right? And that's yep. way harder than just going from the from the very just, beginning. The setup phase is probably the most grueling and stressful phase because it one, it's short-lived. It's a short-lived phase that is really, really stressful and intense while you're in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. You know, getting the furnishings, figuring out who your target audience is, creating this unique experience, interviewing all your management partners. It's short-lived because you're in a hurry. You're in a rush to launch this property. But I would say the most stressful phase while you're in it is probably that, the, yeah. the, the setup phase. All of them are difficult in their own right because, and most of it comes down to the discipline to actually do the work right. necessary right. in each of those phases. I always talk about simple and easy. People confuse simple and easy. And I talk about this all the time and I will talk about it forever. We have a very simple process in acquisition. We have a very simple process we follow to curate this great experience right. in the setup phase. We have a really simple process in our marketing, but none of them are easy. Right. It, it takes yeah, the good. work and the effort to put in during all of them. All of them are going to be, you know, have their, their own challenges. But the, the shortest lived one that is probably the most intense while you're in the middle of it is definitely the setup phase. Yeah. Follow the process, dive into the blueprint, and just keep your head down. You'll get past it. You'll get through it. Once you get those marketing assets, which is your photos, being able to visually tell the story right. of what you have to offer, you know, 
you're getting a good property in a good area, curating this amazing guest experience, getting those photos. Now you're done. Now yeah. you're just skating, yeah. right? Yeah. So then yeah. it goes away because you've got everything you need to maximize this asset for the long term. And you're probably going to roll with what you have already set up for the next three to five years. And now it just becomes that passive investment that yeah. you want, that yeah. true lifestyle asset. So it's not that any of these phases last forever. They're all short lived, but you have to dial in each of those phases to succeed, especially nowadays, because right. right after COVID hit and everything just went through the roof, if you had a property, it was like having toilet paper during COVID, you made money. Right. You didn't have to have more than just a good property in a good area. Now you do have to dial in those other phases. And that's sure. where it becomes yeah. difficult is because people feel like the market changed on them. It didn't really change. We had a blip in the market that allowed right. you to succeed with one phase of the process mm -hmm. complete. Now we have to dial back when I wrote my book, What the Hell is a Lifestyle Asset? All three of these phases were in there. I wrote that in 2017. I didn't write that with based on the blip in the market that we had yeah. post COVID. And, and now we're back into what it takes to really succeed in the short-term real game. Once you dial it in though, that might be a six month process from start to finish, going through all three of those phases. And then you've got an asset in your portfolio that is going has the potential to maximize. The heavy lifting is done because you've already done and put all everything you need in place. Great property, great experience, great marketing assets. Now you roll with it for yeah. the next, you know, yeah. and, and then you rinse and repeat and you yeah. do it again. Where can they find your book? <laughs> yeah, hey, I appreciate hey, it. Call to action. Hey, you dude, are doing good, I, I good like on the that. question. I know. Job, what mate. the hell is a lifestyle asset by lifestyle Sean Moore? Asset. Go find it on Amazon. You can download it at vodacy.com. We'll, we, you can get it for free, but yeah, go, go check it, it out. It is. It really yeah. is a great book. It dials in the, the stages and the, the process and it, it's awesome. So if you're looking yeah. to get into that, it's yeah. a good starter. So yeah. Well, buddy. That's it. I mean, good work today. Hey, good That's job good. on the question. Hanging out with my best buddy. Cheers. Let's go. Good questions this time. Good job, buddy. All right, guys, we are going to wrap it up. You guys know at the end of every episode, I leave you with two challenges. And if you got any value out of this, I always ask that you like us, share us, leave us a review if you have more than 30 seconds. And those things do help us grow the show, share our message with more people that are interested in chatting about short-term vacation rentals. And finally, that last challenge that I have for you today is to pick one thing that you can do to start building that life you don't want to take a vacation from. Cheers, my friends. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, buddy.